Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Welcome to Step Into the Story. Every time we get together, we explore the intersection of our story and God's story. And we sit down with a special guest and they they just open up their life and talk about how the Bible is changing them from the inside out. And today, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. My good friend, Crawford Loritz. Crawford, welcome to Step Into the Story. Well, Phil, I'm just delighted to be with you, my friend. Well, you're kind of at a transition point in your life, having recently uh, retired as the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. I know you've you've had great ministry with family life through the years and um, lots of other things. And you've also recently celebrated another milestone, you and Karen, 50 years together. That's right. You know, she was only four when we got married, man. It's, it just... it's amazing how that happens. Um, I've, I want to hear your version of how God brought the two of you together. And uh, Ellen can run that by Karen later, see if it lines up. Let's hear your shot at it. Well, you know, uh, we were in college and uh, uh, it was the beginning of my sophomore year. In fact, what took place was, um, this is a true story, uh, about two weeks or so before I went back to school, college, I broke up with my high school sweetheart. Well, full disclosure, she kicked me to the curb. I see. And uh, so I was... I was a little down. I was in my dorm room. This is the first day back on campus. I was in my dorm room praying. True story. And I said, uh, God, I'm not going to date anybody this semester. I'm not going to be distracted or deterred. I'm going to stay focused on my studies, on you, my relationship with you, this kind of thing. I was, you know, and people who know me know that when my mind's made up, I can be fairly focused. And so I got up off my knees, walked down the street mind filled with this deep-seated stalwart single-minded commitment to Jesus not to be disrupted <laughs> or distracted in any way, right? Blind is on. So I get to a, one of the buildings on campus. I walk inside of the building, and and there was this young lady that had not been there before, and uh, I got healed instantaneously. You, what an amazing miracle occurred there. <laughs> Just like, and uh, she was new on campus, and my mother my mother taught me to be hospitable to strangers, and so I said, I'm Crawford Loritz. What's your name? She said, well, my name's Karen Williams, and I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be your tour guide, and so that's how we met. That's such a great, <laughs> great story. I love that. You know, there's something about just um, giving up on that and releasing it. Uh, you know, my wife, Ellen, she, mm-hmm. she, we had a similar experience um, coming back for our junior year at, at Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellen's folks were taking her to the airport. They'd been down at Myrtle Beach. They lived in Charlotte. And, and on the way to the airport, you know, they said, so, you know, you any guys you're looking forward to seeing again? And she got, nope, any guy at Wheaton worth dating I've already met. I'm going to focus on being a good resident assistant. I'm going to get my GPA up. And then a senior year, same thing. And I'm going to come home and meet and marry a good Southern guy from down here in North Carolina. And and, um, after they dropped her off, 
Ellen's mom just started crying in the mm. car. And, and Ellen's Ellen's dad says, "You know, this is the this is not the first year we've done this. Why why are you hurting about this?" And and she goes, "Our daughter is going back to college to meet the man she's going to marry." <laughs> and Ellen's dad, you know, very <laughs> not tuned into all the channels that his wife receives, like none of us are. He he says that makes no sense. She said the opposite, and she goes, "Mark my word, John, she's going back to meet him." We met at three o'clock that afternoon. Oh my goodness! You know, there's an old line. I don't know who I read this or heard it from. I heard it years ago that God is always behind the scenes, moving the scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you make you make your set of assumptions. And uh, even though the, uh, both of our stories are fairly humorous, now it's uh, God had something for us. So thank God. Absolutely. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. Well, um, you and I um, are both kind of out there on the Bible conference circuit. We seem to be following each other by a week. I wish we had more opportunities together. But we did one gig together that was unforgettable. It was one of the wind-shaped Chick-fil-A cruises. You remember suffering for Jesus on Uh, the high seas on that boat with a couple dozen sails? Yeah, 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 I do. I do. I don't remember the suffering part, but I do remember the the other part, and uh, that was a great thing. Yeah, and that was really, in a lot of ways, I think what what accelerated our our friendship, Ellen and me, with you and Karen. Um, I just, Crawford, I I have so much respect for you and um, even from a distance in a lot of ways you've you've been a mentor to me so I just need to say that um, uh, well the feelings the feelings mutual and I think people listening to this is they're going oh these guys are really nuts here but I I really feel the same about you Phil and uh, so mutual admiration society here well one of the things that I, I want to jump into the conversation um, tell us about about your kids just just briefly, and then I, w- I want to go from there. Yeah, we have uh, four children. Actually, I should say we have five. We have a daughter in heaven, uh, full-term pregnancy, died a, about an hour and a half after birth. But uh, our four children down here, uh, our oldest our oldest is Brian. He was born on my birthday, and I have not celebrated a birthday in 48 yeah, years. So. Not. <laughs> <laughs> That's not completely true. There's a little truth to that. And uh, he is a teaching pastor at the Summit Church in uh, in Raleigh, and authored a number of books, and and is the founder and president of a of, of the Kainos movement, which deals with racial reconciliation. And then our our oldest daughter, Heather, and her family they live in Memphis. She's a school teacher there. And uh, then our youngest son, Brendan, he is a, a teaching pastor at a, at a large multi site church in Las Vegas, and. Um, and then our youngest daughter, she and her husband, uh, they're, they're up in Grand Rapids and they're both physicians and they've got, uh, three little ones. So mm. yeah, we've got 11 grandkids and, uh, um, yeah, yeah just, uh, wow. just amazing. Wow. You know, um, you and I both share the belief that any, any career can be a platform, assuming it's not immoral or illegal and not to elevate you know, professional ministry above anything else. But the fact that, that your two sons are serving as pastors, um, I think, I think you'd agree with me that that's, that's tragically rare for children of pastors or missionaries to want to follow in that family business. Well, it scared me to death. And I'll tell you a little story, you know, Karen and I spent 27 years on staff with 
crew, the Campus Crusade for Christ, and I was a traveling speaker for them. And uh, and I can remember when our kids were small, um, waking up in some college town in a little motel or whatever there because I was speaking on campus, the middle of the night, slipping out of bed on my knees and just crying out to God, don't let my kids grow up to be bitter because I have to be away. Yep. And yep. because I, I heard the horror stories and, and friends of mine who, you know, kids won't, don't, don't want to have anything to do, anything to do with ministry just because of some of the abuses or whatever it might be. And so I am greatly, greatly humbled. And, but I, I, had to tell, I, I, I had to tell a story. I mean, people ask me all the time, well, how'd you get your kids to get into ministry? I, I tell them, I'm sorry, but I didn't. And uh, nothing. There was no coercion. There was no encouragement. We thought Brian, our oldest, was either going to be a lawyer or uh, uh, some type of businessman. From the time he was a little dude, he always had deals going, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and arguments and this kind of thing. And Brendan was going to be my early retirement program because he was a phenomenal athlete. Well, Brian was an athlete, too, but Brendan was an incredible baseball player. Uh, part of his story is he walked away from all of that in high school, uh, walked away from, uh, you know, just a bright future. And um, and so, uh, you know, there was no orchestration other than the spirit of God working in their hearts and lives. And uh, both of them in high school, um, for whatever reason, their heart for the Lord just took off and they began sharing their faith. And in Brendan's case, he led a number of his friends to Christ and had a Bible study and and when I was getting on him about what college uh, he was going to sign with and what, what, about, what about this whole baseball thing, he said to me, I'll never forget it. He's a junior, and he goes, well, Dad, uh, baseball's not everything. Wow. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I think God wants me put on the altar. I get more joy out of <clears throat> I get emotional even now sharing this. Uh. I get more joy out of sharing his word than anything else. And so rather than going to LSU or Georgia Tech or one of these other places, he went to Moody. And uh, and so, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I stand back when I listen to them preach. And they're both very, very, very good preachers of God's word. And the tears fill up in my eyes and just think, look, look at the miracles here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, though, you know, definitely not orchestrated by you or Karen or, or even necessarily that's what you had hoped they would do. Um, yet I know you're out there a lot. You work with a lot of pastors. Um, you work with other Christian leaders. You, you work with parents in general yeah. who are believers. What do you think are the couple of things yeah. that you and Karen did right? Um, and the couple of things that if you had it to do again, we do differently with our parenting. <laughs> probably could give you a lot more of that. We yeah, that's easier, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that early on, um, there were a few things that we stumble into doing right. I, I think early on, I I saw this performance orientation in, in, in terms of parents, particularly those in ministry, wanting to make sure that their kids look right and that, that they they did right by them and they projected the right image. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Mm. I am not, we're not going down that road. And Karen and I were pretty strong about uh, building a little bit of a thing, not letting people treat our kids any right. differently. No double standard. No double standard, yep. this kind of thing. And and uh, that uh, grace was going to be our our 
uh, grace is not permission, but that grace was going to be our, our model. And, uh, you know, and I would refuse to let people hold up standards against them and this sort of thing. I'll tell you a little story. I remember one time, and our, our kids used to go with me a lot, particularly boys as they got older. Mm-hmm. Brian had been with me. He was about maybe uh, 14 at the time. He had been with me at some large conference. And, you know, people mean well, but they say silly things, right? So uh, and I was I got finished speaking. I was up near the front uh, or something, just greeting people. You know how that goes. And so this, this Brian was standing next to me. And so this well-meaning, it was well-meaning, this woman says to, says to Brian, he's 14, right? He goes, well, I know you want to uh, grow up. To be just like your dad, don't you? And I'm, I, I read that. You start that praying like, really fast. Yeah, that, yeah. that's 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 fourteen year old kid. Yeah, that's I think that's going to work. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the following week, we're back. I was taking him to school, and he was unusually, unusually quiet in the car. And I said, "What's wrong with you?" And then he said, "This is a dad. I, I don't know if I could ever do what you do." And I'll never forget. I pulled the car over to the side. And I said, "Boy, let me tell you something." You don't ever have to be anything you think I want you to be or anybody else thinks you want to be. I don't care what they say to you. You have the freedom to be whatever God lays his hand on you to be. And that's who you need to listen to. And we tried to drive that into their hearts and minds. And I think the other thing that we did was exposing them to healthy Christian models. Yeah. Healthy Christian models. Not everybody in the green room is as consistent uh, in private as they project they are. And uh, so we, we, we try to try to expose them to healthy models. And, uh, and, and I think God used that. Um, and I think connecting, connecting them directly to the Lord without a bunch of um, stuff. I mean, you know, just, just keeping it clear and plain. Um, and, you know, they, looking back, they wanted to be with me. You know, they wanted to go with me. And, and you know, they did on missions, trips. And, you know, we we kept driving them to Jesus in terms of their behavior and uh, what we used to do. Um, we had our summer vacations, usually just a couple of weeks before they went back to school. Mm-hmm. And during that time, what they all had to do all of them had to do this. They had to give me their goals for the year. What they what what and they had to write them out. And uh, and then as they got older, especially around 13 with the boys and the same thing with the girls, we, we uh, got some other mentors in their lives, two, three key people, and they would share those goals with them. Wow. And so what that did was that uh, it made their behavior objective. And help with the discipline. How does your behavior line up with what you said you want God to do for you and through you this year? And it's and your goal. It's, it's not your, my they, goal. They for own you. it. Yeah, they own it. And uh, so I think that was helpful. You know, I think some of the some of the things that I did wrong. I, you know, I I yelled at the wrong child, disciplined the wrong one. Although that that tended to work its way out. I mean, you know, what goes around comes around. So. <laughs> I, I did that. I, I, my, you know, I, they knew my shortcomings and failures. Um, I, I think God was gracious. I think I was probably gone too much. I was gone too much. Um, and, uh, you know, all of that, all of that stuff. And, 
So, you know, um, we didn't parent perfectly, but we tried to parent transparently. Yeah. And I think um, many times I had to apologize to them. And uh, so, you know, looking back, I would say humility is your friend as a parent, not your position. And you should never forget that. Humility is your friend and not your position. What, what gives credibility and authority to your position is your personal brokenness and your humility and your desire by the grace of God to be the portrait of the destination without claiming to be the destination, if that makes any sense. Whoa. And uh, so, I th- you know, I could go on. And I mean, one time I busted Brendan first. I thought he had done something. I mean... We've all been there as parents. I, I, he, had, you know, I thought he had done something that I had gotten on his case about not doing right, and so I thought I had him dead to rights. And I'll never forget this. I said, I just put the hammer down. You're not going to see the light of day. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. I tell you, I can sick and tired of doing. It. You know, I just put it down. And he tried to say something. Close your mouth, son. Nothing else needs to be said. So I knew I had him and dropped him off at school. And his older sister said, Dad, I hate to tell you this. <laughs> But you were wrong about Brendan. And she explained what really happened. And I'm going, oh, jeez. Well, I, I was right about some other stuff that I should have gotten for, so I'm not yeah, going to. that's right. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I owed him a few anyway. Yeah. So... And you had a long day waiting for him to get out of school, Well, didn't you? what I did, the Holy Spirit was just beating the heebie-jeebies out of me. <laughs> I'm, here I am on my way to the office, oh, you know, man. planning ministry and driving yeah, things yeah. that road. And so I had to turn around, go back to school, get him out of class. And uh, I said, son, I don't know what to say to you other than I was wrong. I am so, so sorry. Will you please forgive your imperfect father? And he said, I oh, don't worry about it, Dad. Just take me out tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do I have to go back to school for the rest of the day? Yes. <laughs> you know, um, recently I was, I was talking um, to the, some folks out at Mount Hermon where I just was last week, and, mm. and you're headed. And um, it, it was somebody who wasn't very familiar with you. They know you're coming, and they're like, oh, tell me about Crawford. And um, I want to tell you how I described you to them, and then I want you to help me unpack that. I said, um, number one, he's a great communicator. Number two, he loves to have fun, and your your guests are going to have a great week. But then a couple words came out of my mouth that I was kind of surprised by. I said, I said um, he's a trailblazer, but he's also a bridge builder. Wow. And... Um, as soon as I as soon as I said that, I thought those two are most times contradictory. Mm. They don't come packaged in the same person. Mm. Let let's explore the trailblazer side of that first. Um, you know, in this in this phase that we're going through, long overdue racial yeah. reckoning. Um, finally, some awareness, some open conversations about things. Um, for whatever reason, God, multiple times in your life, probably some that I don't mm-hmm. even know about, has has placed you as um, the first person of color in a yeah. in a yeah. pretty monochromatic environment, yeah. if you yeah. know what I mean. Um, why does He keep putting you in those situations? Um, what what made you effective 
as a trailblazer? Well, let's back up a little bit. One of the things I've learned is that uh, sometimes we take more credit for the arenas in which we are in than we than, than we deserve. Okay, for sure. And uh, there are certain sovereign foundations. We we don't choose. We don't choose the path. We walk the path. Right. And I think my my background, for example, I was born and raised in a multi ethnic environment. Uh, in, in the central ward of Newark, New Jersey, which is hard for people to understand, but the Garden the, State, yeah, in the fifties, where's and, the Garden? Yeah, yeah. In, in the fifties and sixties, okay, and and little did I realize. I mean, I growing up, I played ball with John San Giovanni and Rocco Bonavicia, as well as Gerald Adams and Lloyd Cotton, and we went, to, we were inside in and out of each other's homes, and uh, I, I never growing up, I never thought I had to choose who my friends should be and who I should love. And but that's all part of God. I had I had nothing to do with it. Right. And I was given parents who uh, for whatever reason they had a they had a circle of friends who were multi-ethnic. However, I also knew very clearly about where I came from. Uh, stories of my great grandfather Peter who was a slave and uh, um, and very clear about, you know, the impact of racism. And so I had these I had these two rivers in my life. So I, I can't take credit. I'm not trying to deflect anything, but I just can't get, take credit for that. And so looking, and then when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was captured. I'll never forget this. As a teenager, I was captured by the vision in Ephesians chapter 2 of a wall being broken down and the visible unity of the body of Christ. I was like 15, 16, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. That whole thing captured me. And little did I realize that God would orchestrate paths in which, as I said, I was the first black president of my classes in college and all these other things. And, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that it wasn't some struggle because I came of age during the civil rights movement. Right. Okay. I came, I, King was, I was 18 when King was assassinated. And I, I came of age during that whole time and a war in Vietnam, all that stuff. So, but it was, I could never get away from that conviction became stronger that I was not to reflect trends, but to reflect truth. And, uh, uh, and, and that had to do with sovereign foundation. So, you know, wherever it's been, and, 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 and it wasn't about proving a point. It was about following God's path. If that makes any sense. Uh, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I agree. It's, it's God who, places us in the different situations, yeah, yeah. but then we do have choices to make Absolutely. of how we're going to steward yeah. that opportunity. And, um, yeah, I, let, me, let me just say, yeah. Yeah, let me just say, this is the reason why, uh, we have to be tenacious about biblical truth. And it, it was, and I had, I had pastors in my teen years who honored the scriptures, honored God's word and because they did, um, it built in me, and I'm not, I've not always been perfectly consistent about this, but it built in me a passion to apply truth, even if it wasn't convenient mm -hmm. and uh, beyond culture. And so when you put all of this stuff together, um, that's the path that I've been on. And, and for whatever reason, it causes me to be a bit of a trailblazer, if you want to use that expression or whatever, although I, that's not in my head, caused me to do that because of God's call, and this is right. 
And if it's right, then you do it, even if there's opposition. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And God has consistently thrown you in that through yeah, whether yeah. the school that you chose to attend or um, the church that yeah. you said yes to, to yeah, pastor. That's yeah, yeah. um, just, I'm intrigued by that. And I think that there's, there's a model there that's desperately needed right now mm-hmm. um, yes. for people of, of various cultures, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that the truth supersedes culture and um, without compromising the truth to, if we'll just view people like God views them, yeah. that would take care of so much. I know that's oversimplifying it, but yeah. um, I, I think, I think um, the nature of the church though is really a prophetic presence. And one of the things that disturbs me a little bit is that we've gotten so transactional in our preaching and teaching. And don't get me wrong, we need to know how to how to handle our anger. We need to know how to right. you know apply these principles. Don't get me wrong. But I sometimes think that we have lost the lofty vision of why the church exists in human history. And that is to tell the truth about the glorious kingdom yet to be. Right. And 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 so we have to be the visible alternative to the sin and compromise and mess that we see at any moment in culture. But what has broken my heart over the last five or six years, what has really broken my heart is to see this, this, this synchronization or, or syncretism of, 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 of uh, politics and the scriptures And in the words of my friend J.D. Greer, when the church goes to bed with culture, uh, when the church goes to bed with politics, the church gets pregnant and the offspring doesn't look like our father. Wow. And I say that again, will you please? Yeah, that when the church goes to bed with politics, it is the church that gets pregnant, not not the government. It's the church that gets pregnant and the offspring does not look like our father. And and. uh, and that's all because we've assumed there's one there's a difference between impacting the culture and and ingesting the culture and we've assumed that we get close to power right now i'm not saying christians should not be involved in these things we right, should be of course but you have got to have a clear understanding of what your mission is of what truth is and why you are there you are there to be salt and light and not to ingest the structure. Nothing changes the scriptures. And you don't, you don't, you don't pull it through the sieve of your political party or perspective at all. And, and that's the reason why I think as preachers, we've done people a disservice by not lifting up the lofty vision of who we are collectively. Mm-hmm. We're a portrait, a prophetic presence of what, the culture, the, the destination, destination at which the culture should arrive. Yes, and you yeah. and I have both traveled enough around the world to see that when the church is aligned too closely to any political party, to any government, um, and and gets the power that comes from being in the majority. I mean, the numbers may look impressive, but it leads to a weakened church. It does. And, 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 you know, pride wears many disguises, including false spirituality. And, and you know, 
some it, it's a heady thing to have access to people of prominence. Yes. It's a heady thing to be in the room and at the table. But the question is, what are you doing with the table? You know, it's like a dog chasing a car. What is he going to do when he catches it? He's going to drive it? I mean, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. And why are you there? And, uh, you know, I just think of Daniel all the time when, uh, you know the story, I'm preaching to the choir, when, when, <laughs> when my man sends for the stuff and, you know, how to stop a party there and the handwriting on the wall and all this other kind of things. And, and I love Daniel. He has to send for Daniel. Daniel comes in to access the power and he says, okay, well, I'll give you all of this. And he says, Daniel says, no, 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 thanks. You keep that. But I know why I'm here. And I understand sometimes we don't say you keep that. When we accept it, we forget why we're there. And uh, so at any rate, you didn't ask me all of that. Uh, Yes, I did. (laughs) Yes, I did. That was profound and deeply helpful Mm. and clarifying, I think, for me and probably a bunch of us who are listening. Um, The other side of that, you know, okay, you didn't set out to be a trailblazer, but (laughs) God consistently puts you in places where you blaze trails. So I'm staying with the trailblazer name. Um, but also bridge builder, yeah. bridge builder. Yeah. And um, how, what are some of the things God has you doing now um, to help to build bridges and bring some healing? Well, it's not, it's not like there's a strategy to do that. Uh, it's not like there's a strategy that I have to do that. I just, it goes, it goes back to my parents. It goes back to me playing ball with John San Giovanni and Rocco Bonavicia. Uh, it goes back to understanding the power of love that recalibrates everything. And uh, so I build bridges not because I'm trying to, you know, I came to Fellowship Bible Church. It was like 90, 98% white back in 2005. I didn't come there, and people find this hard to believe. I, I did not come there to uh, primarily as an ethnic statement of a you know as a black pastor pastoring a mega church in the south or what I didn't I didn't come there for that reason I came there to preach the book and love the people yeah that's why it worked the, and that that that's my point that we're we're going to strategize ourselves right into irrelevance and and uh, and 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 what is attractive is a transforming power of the gospel. And what Jesus said in John 13, when he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, he uses agape. Now, we, we trivialize agape and helping, trying to help people understand it, you know, God's unconditional love. Well, that word is akin to holiness and glory. It almost defies uh, definition. It is a supernatural love, which says y'all ain't supposed to be able to get along with one right. another. But you are not only are you getting along, you're preferring one another, you're honoring one another, you're so and so so I, I think to be a bridge builder, um, the, the the goal is to love. And if I love you, I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna have the self confidence, a confidence in God, enough confidence to be humble, by the way. It takes confidence to be humble. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to throw you away. I, I'm not going to. I'm going to not going to be listening for stuff to tick me off. 
but I'm going to keep pursuing you. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to speak the truth. No, I'm going to say hard truths, but I'm not going to leave you. And, uh, and we're going to recalibrate one another because of that love relationship. And so I, I don't, I think trailblazing and love goes together. Jesus was a trailblazer and he loved. Mm. Mm. Paul was a trailblazer and he built bridges. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, it does know. go together. Yeah, they go together. Yeah. We just tend to go, uh, one's very pastoral and one's very prophetic. Yeah, yeah that's right. why God says, speak the truth, but do it in love. That's, 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 and that's, absolutely. he keeps trying to shove those yeah, two yeah, yeah, together yeah. and we keep trying to polarize yeah, them all the time. Right. So a new... A new season in your life, yeah. no longer um, pastor at Fellowship yeah, Bible. Yeah. Um, a season, uh, we have a mutual friend named Mark Bailey. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. Mark has recently retired as president of Dallas Seminary, and now he's chancellor and uh, trying to figure out what a chancellor is and does. <laughs> but um, he used the term with me once. He says, um, you know, eventually, Phil, you'll enter a season of unrestricted ministry, too. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for for this next phase of your life and ministry with Karen? I mean, you still got game, yeah, all right? right? <laughs> and you got a lot that needs to be shared a lot of places. What What's that look like going yeah, forward? Yeah, well, first of all, I... I, I um, <laughs> You know, I want to run through the finish line. I don't, you know, I retired from the church. Well, I haven't retired from ministry. And I stepped back from the church because I, I, I wasn't burnt out. I didn't lose vision, any of that. I just am a fan of a younger generation. I just feel like a younger man needs to take the church where it needs to be. And uh, I need to stand back and be his cheerleader and support and that kind of thing. So, you know, where I am right now is that we started this uh, small ministry called Beyond Our Generation. I just want to pour into the next generation of emerging leaders and be their cheerleader. I just, uh, you know, know, Phil, you and I have have a lot in common, just as God raised up men in your life early on. You know, you talk about Howard Hendricks and all these other folks. And, you know, God did the same thing for me, people who believed in me and and uh, and I want to do the same. You know, I think that there are three 20 year segments in ministry uh, from about 20 to 40 is that 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 segment of, of learning. Not that God's not using you. He's using you, yeah. but he's forming the spiritual address and this kind and of what thing. What can I do? Then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then from 40 to about 60 ish is leveraging. Uh, you know who you are, you know who you're not, and you've gotten it's not knocked out of you and you're still standing and, you know, and and that's where, you know. But then there's that era, and I think this is this is what we fight, but we shouldn't fight. 60 and on is leaving, and I don't mean leaving ministry, and fully embracing the role now that, that uh, you got more in the rear of your mirror than you have in front of you. And, but at this point, it's it's that era of nobility, and I use that term in the right sense. By no, noble, what I mean that you know what is, you know what is always refreshingly, enduringly right, despite trends. You know the difference between a trend and a fad, uh, and you want to at this point come alongside and take that equity. I'm talking about the mistakes and all. You want to take that equity and don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't spend five days a week on a golf course someplace. 
But that's where I am right now. So I, you know, we're thinking through how to leverage all of that and uh, mentor these younger guys, pour into this next generation, cheer them on and, and what have you. I'm also, I'm, I decided to office out of the house and I don't know if that's a smart move or not because when my wife sees me, she has visions for the use of my time that doesn't always <laughs> match up. Yes, that's, that's the fourth stage, laboring. Yeah. And, um, and since we're going with L's, let's go with list. Yeah, yeah. list. Yeah, yeah right. definitely. Uh, Crawford, I mean, I am not very many years behind you. Yeah. And um, even I, I said that you had mentored me from a distance. Mm. And that happened up close and personal in this conversation because I, I want those same things that you want. I want to run to the finish line. I think all of us listening to you today would just echo. We, we want that to happen. And I just want to thank you for consistently being such a raving fan of Walk Through the Bible, the ministry that I have the privilege of leading, as well as just being a great friend and encourager to Ellen and me. So thank you. Thank you very, very much for that. And thank you for opening up your heart today here on Step Into the Story. Every time we get together, this is exactly what we hope to do, is um, is learn from the wisdom of somebody else who's living a little bit different life than we are, but same God, same calling, and um, just the intersection, Crawford, of your story and God's story mm. is an inspiration to all of us who have heard it. If there's any way we can help you in your own pilgrimage of faith at Walk Through the Bible, check out our resources at walkthrough.org. And Crawford, what's the what's the best way if people wanted to connect with you? Or man, you dropped a you dropped a line in there that I gotta I gotta think about more. I want to read some about that. What's the what's the best way for them to access you? Well, we're in the process of building a website right now, so right. Uh, we have we don't have that, but they can contact uh, they can contact me at uh, Crawford One Loritz at gmail.com. Okay, and we'll put that yeah. in our show notes as well. Yeah. Um, may I pray for you before I let you go today? Certainly, Father, thank you for Crawford, Lord. It's um, he just radiates your grace, your mercy, your sovereignty in an authentic way. Um, thank you that just consistently he gives you the credit and the glory for putting him in amazing opportunities. But Lord, he's stewarded those well and he's built the relationships and he's established the trust, whether that's with um, his own four kids or with Karen. Or, or with a stadium full of thousands of people, Lord. I just thank you for um, the way that you've used him so far, and may this next act be in some ways the most strategic of all, as it's all about multiplication, it's all about mentoring, it's about impacting a generation that's going to outlive both of us. So, Lord, use this time to encourage all of us in our own careers, in our own neighborhoods, in our own schools, in our own companies, that we would have this same kind of role as salt and light. Yes. In the awesome name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Crawford, thank you, my friend. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. 
We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.